0: Amen, amen, How many of you needed that worship today? Amen, amen. Well, you guys can have a seat. Happy Father's Day. Let me say that one more time. Happy Father's Day. Alright. Can we give it up for all the dads here we have here today? And we got a dad-to-be right here. We have a dad that happened to be this last Friday. So give it up for River that was born. I want to thank you guys for your prayers. In fact, before we start, I'm going to do it after service. I want to go to the book of 1 Samuel chapter 30. As you guys kindly get back up on your feet. I'm so sorry about that. I'm supposed to hand out presents, but do it after service. As we conclude our series on house rules, we started on mother's day we're going to end it on father's day first samuel chapter 30 beginning at verse 1 and this is what the word of god says and david and his men reached ziglag on the third day now the amalekites had raided ziglag they had attacked ziglag and they burned it and they taken captive the women and all who were in it both young and old they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. And when David and his men came to Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and their sons and daughters taken captive. So David and his men wept out loud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives had been captured, and Neom of Jezero and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel, David was so greatly distressed because of the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of their sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord. Let me say that one more time. And David found strength in the Lord. Can you repeat that with me? And David found strength in the Lord. Let's pray. Father, bless this sermon today. I ask, Lord, that You help me to preach. Father, Father's Day is about fathers, but I believe this message applies to all of us. So help us, Lord, whether we're a father or not, whether we're a single mom or not, whether we're single or not, Lord. If we are alive, if we are breathing, and we are in this place, I ask You, Holy Spirit, to speak and reveal Yourself to us today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You guys can have a seat as we get ready for the Word of God today. We're finishing the last part of our series, House Rules. And since Mother's Day, we've been talking about all the rules you need to apply to have a successful, strong home and family, to raise godly kids and have a successful, strong marriage. But I believe that the last rule is one of the most important, and it's the rule of presence. The rule of presence. When I say the rule of presence, it's more than just being there. The fact is, when God says to apply the rule of presence in your life and in your family, what God is really talking about here is not just to be physically there. Because anyone could be physically in a place and not there. Amen? When God says apply the rule of presence... The rule of presence is simply to be involved, to be invested in, to be committed to. And there's a lot of people that can physically be involved in their family, but they're not present. There's a lot of couples that can be physically together, but they're not present, they're not involved. In fact, you can even be in church right now. You're physically in this place, but you're not involved. See, presence is everything for family. Your presence in your family matters. Your presence in your marriage matters. And a lot of us don't even realize the importance of your presence there for your family. In fact, I recently heard this this story over in South Africa that down in in this valley, they harbor these endangered white rhinos and these white rhinos were so endangered they were almost to be instinct but something interesting happened while there in the reserve a lot of these baby elephants begin to they began to just eat the vegetation they began to eat all the food and all the trees so the zoologists had this idea to really get these baby elephants over to the other side where the white rhinos were. A few weeks later, these baby elephants got together and formed a gang. True story. They formed this gang, they got very aggressive, and they started turning on the white endangered rhinos and they killed them almost all. And the zoologists couldn't understand why all these white rhinos were dying but when they saw it through a surveillance video, they saw these gang of white, of little tiny elephants ganging up and killing all these rhinos and they couldn't understand why until one scientist figured it out. The second they removed the children from their parents, it changed their behavior. They realized the power and the impact of an absent parent. And they also realized the importance of a present one. And when the children got back to their parents, their behavior began to change. They stopped acting out. They stopped being aggressive. And they quickly realized that even in the animal kingdom, presence is important. Being involved in the life of your child. Being involved in the life of your marriage. Being involved in the life of your family. Just being involved in your presence is vital. But sadly, in today's world, we're so cut up, we're so rushed, we're so busy, we're so distracted that we are not truly present in the lives of our family. We really forget to be present. In fact, presence is so important that even God applies this rules for our lives. Look at Exodus chapter 33, verse 14. This is what the Word of God says. The Lord replied to Moses, My presence will go with you. And I'll give you rest. Moses was under pressure. Moses was distracted. Moses was discouraged. He was afraid because he was trying to lead all these people to the promised land. It wasn't working out. It was problem after problem. He was just drained. He was just tired. He went to God and he said Lord, I need help. Have you ever been in a place in your life that you're crying out to God and you're just saying Lord, I need help. I'm desperate. I'm tired. I'm discouraged. I don't even know if I can go on anymore. If that's you, you can relate to Moses. And God speaks to Moses. And God doesn't tell him, don't be afraid. God doesn't tell him, don't be discouraged. God doesn't give him some pep talk. God doesn't say, listen, just keep going. The only thing God told him was my presence goes with you. Now, God wasn't talking about Just his physical presence. When God said, my presence goes with you, what God was letting Moses know is even though right now your life is discouraging, you're afraid, you're going through a lot, I want you to know that I'm not only there, I'm involved. I'm not only there, I'm committed. I'm not only there, you're a priority to me. God applies the rule of presence in our lives and he expects you to do the same. But today anyone can physically be in a place but not be committed to it. You can be physically married and not committed. You can be you can have physical children and not be committed. You could be in a physical place of worship like this and not even be committed to God. When David went out to battle, he didn't realize it, but he was making a fatal mistake. David went out to battle. He took all the men with him, all his mighty warriors. He did not leave one man to protect the women and children. What does that tell you about David Church? His priorities were on something else. He took all the men without even thinking, what if something happens to my wife? What if something happens to my children? See, when I read this passage, I realized that David was a great warrior, but he was a lousy father. David was a mighty warrior, but a terrible husband. Because it is evident through the scripture that while David went out to battle, he did not prioritize his family. And David went out to battle, and the Bible says he was victorious. He was successful. He was strong. But when he got home, he found it in ruins. He found that his family was gone. He noticed that the enemy had come in and taken them captive. Why did all of this happen? The simple fact he wasn't present. He wasn't there. David was a great warrior. He was successful, he was admired, he was known for his achievements. But when it came to his home, when it came to his marriage, when it came to his family, that's where you saw his weakness, that's where you saw his destruction, that's where you saw his mistakes, that's where you saw his sins, that's where you saw his downfall. So even though he was mighty in the battlefield, the devil was working him at home. You know what I see today in our culture? We have a lot of great men. Strong men. Successful men. Who are lousy fathers. Who are lousy parents. We have a lot of great people who are lousy moms. Lousy parents. Because they He wasn't present. David's men were so mighty. You can't even believe the stories. Sometimes I read the Bible and I can't even God, can is this real? Because one of those warriors, his name was Aziel. They nicknamed him the gazelle. That's in the Bible. He was so fast. Another one of those men was Beniah. The Bible says that he got inside a pit with a lion to kill it. What a man! Another one was Jabin, who with by himself with one spear he killed 800 soldiers, one man! Eliazar was next to David when his huge army rose up against him and Eleazar said, I'm not leaving you, let's fight! And Eliazar took on an entire army with David by himself! Some of these men that David were with Three of them were, they started a massive war and killed everyone for a glass of water to bring to David. My point, these men were no joke. These men were some of the strongest men that ever lived. These men were warriors. These men were strong. These men were impressive. But these men, when it came to coming home, they were lousy. I believe like David, there are many great people who've done great things, who have great accomplishments, who are mighty in the work field. Not the battlefield, the work field. There are great men like David today that are losing their homes. They're losing their wives. They've lost their children. Because we're failing to meet our responsibilities. And that is to be present. Involved. Committed. See, the rule of presence, it doesn't mean I'm I'm there. We say it all the time. I'm there for you. What do you mean by that? When you say, I'm there for you, it doesn't mean physically. It means I'm involved. I'm invested. I'm going to put in the work for this to work. I'm going to make sure I protect this home. I protect this marriage. I protect these children. I lead them the right way. It's not enough to be successful in the battlefield if I'm not successful in the home. It's not enough for me to have all these victories outside of the home so when I get inside the home, I see the devil just destroying it. Is it enough to say I'm successful out there, but in here, honey, I'm sorry. I can't help it. See, David tells us that if you're not present, you could lose everything. Luke chapter 10, verse 10, an example of this, Martha was distracted. By all the preparations that had to be made, she came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, you're worried, upset, distracted about many things. Notice what Jesus tells her. See, Martha... She was physically in the house. Was she not church? Say yes. But was she there? Was she physically in the house? But was she involved with Jesus? Was she physically in the house? But was she invested in what Jesus was doing? You understand now the rule of presence? The rule of presence doesn't mean I'm there, physically. It means I'll be invested, I'll commit, I'll protect. I'll put in the effort. I'll do my best, I will listen to you, I will spend time with you. It's not just about being there. David was not present. And it it affected his entire family. It affected his wife. It affected his kids. And we don't realize that we check out and we're not present. We're not invested. We're not emotionally involved with our family. We're not emotionally involved with our marriage. We're not emotionally involved with our kids. There comes a point that you're letting the enemy right in like David did. The minute David checked out and went to the battlefield, the enemy saw the opportunity and took over. See, we as men, we make this really bad mistake. We think that our only job is to be providers. And I hear it all the time from men. I'm a great man. I'm a great husband. I'm a great father. Why? Because I put food on the table. I put a roof over their heads. I provide for the family. But let me tell you something. Maybe single moms. I'm a great mom. Why? Because I work hard. I provide for them. I do the same exact thing. I don't need a man. And this is what we think greatness is. Why are you great? Well, look at what you're wearing. Why are you great? Look at what you're eating. Why are you great? Look at the house that I provided for you. Why are you great? Because the bills are paid, woman. Let me tell you something, church. Since the beginning of time, presence, Has been a rule for the family. You see, when God created Adam, God told Adam, You are responsible for the ground of the earth. Before sin came, God gave him a job. So jobs are not punishment. You got to work. You want to eat, you got to work. And God gave him the responsibility of working. And then Eve shows up. And God said, for this reason, a man will leave his parents and cling to his wife, which literally means pursue and prioritize her. But God never said, Adam, now that you have a wife, you've got to stop working. He said, now that you're working, you also have to pursue, invest, and prioritize your family. Adam, it's not enough for you just to work. You have to prioritize and be present in the life of your family now. This is why we as men cannot say, I'm a great husband, I'm a great father, I'm a great person because I work. That doesn't make you Great. You know what that makes you? Responsible. What makes you great though? When you do the other half God commanded. What makes you responsible is working and providing. What makes you great is pursuing and prioritizing. So you can be a responsible father and not a great one. You can be a responsible husband and not a great one. You can work and provide, but if you're not prioritizing, and if you're not invested and present in the life of your wife and children, you are headed in the same path David did. You guys getting this? It's not enough to say... I work hard and provide. That's what David was doing. Why do you think David was out in the battlefield? Do you think David was out because he just needed blood? David was out in the battlefield because he wanted to get plunder to bring back and provide. But it's not enough to be a provider if you're not present. If you're not involved. people say, I'm great because I work hard. I'm a great mom, I'm a great dad, I'm a great person because I work, I provide, I cook, I clean. I'm a great parent, why? Because I work so hard to give them the best school, the best education. It doesn't make you great, remember, it makes you responsible. The only thing that makes you great Is saying, Lord, teach me to be present, to prioritize. Because I don't want to be like David. I don't want to be great in the battlefield, but lose my home, lose my marriage, lose my children. The rule of presence is so important in the life of any home. Because what makes a great family is not how big your house is. What makes a great family is not what schools you can send them to. What cars you drive, what vacations you go on. What makes a great family is presence. Involved. Invested. Together. David walks back home. He's victorious. He's high fiving all the guys. Can you imagine? Picture it with me so I don't look that crazy. They're walking buffed, they're veiny. They're full of blood. They're high-fiving. Say, man, Beniah, that was great when you took that guy's head up, right? But hey, when you drove that spear through that guy, wow, you're getting good, man. Yeah! 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 Thank you. <laughs> they come home and see it burned to the ground. Wives are gone. Children, were are gone. And whatever success they had in that war, that battlefield, didn't matter at that moment when they lost their family. I don't care what success you get, if it's at the expense of your family, you failed. David goes there to the battlefield. He's, he comes home with all the guys. And they, all the men realized The enemy had come in and taken your family. You know how, as a pastor, how many times, for some reason, it's the men that wait till it's too late to lose their family to say, what do I have to do now? They weren't present. And the second David was absent, the enemy became present the second you decide not to be involved in the life of your children, the devil will gladly take that responsibility. The second you decide not to pursue and prioritize your marriage, the devil will gladly have that wife of yours, that husband of yours. Verse 4, the Bible says, David and all his men wept Some of the strongest men that ever existed just wept until they had no strength left. Have you ever been in that place in your life that you've cried so much the tears have run out? Have you ever been so discouraged, so afraid, so beaten by life that all you could do was cry, but there re- there you reached a point where there was no tears left. That's where David and all these men were. Because I believe that one of the most difficult trials, David went through a lot of trials. He went through a lot of battles. He went through giants. He went through wars. He went through betrayal. He went through heartbreak. David went through so much but there's something about David in this story that really grabs my heart. And parents, you'll relate. But I believe that David teaches us that the hardest, most difficult trial you could ever go through are the trials that involved your children. I get a witness, parents. The trials that involves your son. The trials that involves your daughter. The trials that are hurting the child God blessed you with. This is why all these men, they went through it, but they survived. But the second it touched their family and child, these men broke. You look at the life of Job. And all these servants came to Job and they said, Job, you've lost your cattle, you've lost your business, you've lost your money, you've lost everything. And Job, he, he just wiped himself out, okay, we'll get through this. Job, you're getting sick. The doctor called, you're sick. Okay, I'll get through this. Job went through everything, financial problems. He went through health problems. But when that servant came to Job and said, Job, your children are dead. That's when Job got to the ground. He tore his clothes. He put on the ashes and went through a deep, dark depression. There's something about trials that touch your children that breaks you. I thought about Pharaoh. He was stubborn. He did not want to set the people free in Israel. He went through plague after plague after plague. But the last one got him. When that plague touched his firstborn child and killed them, that's when he broke and said, Set the people free. There's something about a trial that touches your child that will get you on your knees and running to God. And the Bible says they wept until they could weep no more. Because this was the most difficult trial. I believe David was going through guilt. Why wasn't I there? I believe he was going through condemnation. I can't believe I prioritized war and plunder and success over my family. He's beating himself up. Why didn't I leave some of my greatest men with them to protect them? And he wept. And he wept. Because he wasn't present. Men, don't wait till your family is gone to say, I should have done better. Don't wait to lose your child when they're 18 to say, I should have brought them to church. Don't wait for those divorce papers to say, I should have prioritized her. Don't wait for the devil to destroy to say, I should have been closer to God. He wept because David had failed as a husband he failed as a father successful in the battlefield failure at home is that not the story of many people today in our culture losing our children to the world losing our marriages because we just we're just there but we're not involved we're not present being present means something interesting about this passage. There came a point that David had no idea, and all of those men had no idea that the enemy was attacking your wife and children. Which shows me that oftentimes, you don't even know what the devil is doing in the life of your wife and kids. Because you're so busy being busy, You're not taking the time to see, how are you, honey? Kids, what are you up to? Where's the devil at? What's he doing? I'm involved. I need to protect. I need to provide. I need to protect. I need to provide, but I need to prioritize. What are you doing? Honey, how are you? Kids, how are you doing in life? Let me help you. Kids, let's talk. Let's spend some time together. Honey, let's go out to dinner. Let's watch a movie. Let's see where you're at. What are you watching? What are you reading? What are you doing? Be involved, not just there. But David realized it. And he wept for his children. He wept for his home because this was the hardest trial of his life. And maybe you're in this position right now that you're saying, Pastor, this isn't a very happy Father's Day. But if you apply this sermon to your life, it will be for the rest of your life. Because in life, we go through these moments like David, the worst trials involve your family. There are moments you feel like the enemy has won. David thought the enemy won. And maybe you're in that position right now that you're caught in the middle. You are successful in one area, but you've lost your family. You're great in one area of your life, but you've lost your marriage. You're great in one area of your life, but your children are gone. And David thought the enemy had won. David thought the enemy was successful. Verse 6 and 7 changes everything. David was greatly distressed. You know what that word distress means? It means to be under pressure. How many of you today, a show of hands, are under pressure right now? David says, Lord, I have all this pressure. It's distressing me. And on top of that, all the men were talking about stoning him because they were bitter. But David found strength in his job. No, David found strength in his money. David found strength in his pleasure. David found strength in his car. David found strength in his house. David found strength in his job. David found strength in his friends. David found strength in his hobbies. No, David found strength in the Lord. Where do you find your strength when you can't go on anymore? Where do you find your strength when the devil is winning? Where do you find your strength when you feel all is gone? The Bible says David found strength, but you cannot find what you're looking for. So David had to look for God to find them. The problem is too many men, their eyes are not looking for God because your eyes are on other things. But the Bible says David found strength in the Lord because he searched for Him. What I love about this, though, is that David found strength. Because I don't care what you're going through. How bad it may be. Where you think the devil is willing, the devil has my child, the devil has my home. God says, if you will search me, and search me with all your heart, I will heal your lands. But you got to search me all your heart. David found strength. You know my question is, church, it singles David out. Why? The Bible says only David found strength, but would you agree that David was not the only one that lost his family that day? David was not the only one that lost his wife. David was not the only one that lost his marriage. David was not the only one that the enemy attacked. David was not the only one that was depressed and discouraged and under a lot of pressure. But why is it that the Bible says David found strength in the Lord? And the Bible does not say, and all the men found strength in the Lord. is because while all the other men were busy crying and being bitter and blaming, David went alone and found God. See, if you would quit your whining and crying and complaining and blaming and run to God, you actually might do something for your family. So you have a choice to make. Am I going to be on the side Or I just complain about my life, complain about my family and blame everyone and blame them. Or am I just going to stop and run to God and say, Lord, help me. Because I have not been present. I have been distracted. I have been foolish. But Lord, I run to you because I need strength. Because I can't do this on my own. Before David searched for his family, he searched for God. Before you can even do anything about your circumstance, do something about your circumstance with God. Before you can even ask God to fix your marriage, fix your relationship with God. Before you can even think about God doing something in the life of your children, why don't you tell God, do something in my life. I'm tired of people going to God to fix things, but they have no relationship with Him. David found strength in the Lord. Because those are the two choices you have. Are you going to rely on me? And run to me? Even Even if you're going through the hardest trial... Even if you're going through where your kids want nothing to do with you and the doctors give you this report and you're going through this crisis and you're going through this, David said, Lord, I can't. Lord, I can't even cry anymore. Lord, I can't even... I can't even go on anymore. And the Bible says, David found strength there was something when David got alone with God that the Bible says David asked God Lord do I go after them or not that's what the Bible says when I first read that I said what kind of question is that of course you go after them. That's, your, that's your woman bro that's your kids come on But then I realized what David was doing. It was actually David that was right, and I was wrong. When David went to God. He said, Lord, I don't want to make another choice without you in it. I don't want to make another decision if you're not involved, because the last time I made a decision without you, it cost me my family. How many of you are making choices without God? How many of you are running your life without the Lord? Come back to me and let me know how that goes. I'd like to know. Because David said, Lord, I need Your strength. During Memorial Day, I left this, this car door open in my truck, and this little light bulb was on. And I ignored it. Did you know that? You know why? Because in my mind, I said, my truck is big. F-250, big tires, big car. That little old light bulb, it's not going to do anything. I left. A few hours later, I come back, the car wouldn't turn on. I was humbled. And a lot of guys, we're like this. We think we're so big and so strong and so good that that little old problem not a big deal. And you go ignored. You don't do anything about it. You do nothing to change it. All I had to do was close. I was literally right next to it. But I ignored it. You know how many men ignore the problems in their family? How many people ignore that little light bulb in your family that's telling you if you do nothing about this, it's going to leave you stranded? And sure enough, I got stranded. And then I got jumper cables. Why? Because my battery was drained. Church, let me ask you a question. How many of you feel drained right now? Come on, can we be honored? We're in church. How many of you say, Pastor, I'm drained. I'm drained. Has life ever been because of maybe your family, your job, your situation, your spouse, our president, whatever it may be, our country, our new anything. The bills. Have you ever been drained? You know how many times on Sunday i got to walk up to this platform, drained. I walked this morning up here, drains. drained. But before I make, there's something that happens in the few seconds. I make it from here to there. I said, Lord, give me strength. So I got these cables because I knew that even though I was drained, like David, I was powerless. I could connect to a higher source. And I can get power from that source into me. And revive. Folks, this is what God wants from your life. God says, like these men, are you going to complain? Are you going to blame? Are you just going to get bitter? Or are you going to come to me when you're drained? But see, something interesting I noticed. When I plugged into these batteries, I had to do two things. I had to connect both the positive and the negative to get the power from that source. You know why a lot of you, can I preach right now? You know why, I hope you clap after it. You know why a lot of you don't feel the power of God in your life? You know why you continue to go through life depressed, discouraged, sad, bitter, like these men, whining, complaining? It's because God says, in order to get strength from me, you need to connect with me. And we all agree, right? Yeah, but this is what happens with us. Many people think they're connected to God, but they're not. See, when I connected the battery, I had to connect both the positive and the negative. This is what it means to get power from God. It means, Lord, I will connect with you during the good times and the bad, during the positive and the negative. But a lot of people, they connect with God only when life is bad. Oh, I know you're in church because there's a problem in your life. When things are negative, you connect to God. And you say, Lord, give me, give me power, Lord, because I'm in trouble. And Lord, I'm losing my family. And God, I'm sick. And God, I have problems. I better go to church. I hope pastor has a word for me. Some people only go to church when the things are positive, because when something bad happens, you disconnect from God. Well, if God is faithful, why did he do this? I'm out. I'm done. And some people connect with God only because He came through for you. So let me go to church for a while because He paid those bills. Let me go to church for a while because He cured me of that. Let me go to church now because He got me through it. But see, getting power from God and connecting with God like David did is through the bad and through the good. David connected with God when he was being promoted king, when life was great, he was being lifted, he was being exalted, everything was happening, he was victorious in the battlefield, he worshipped God. But when his child was sick, he connected to God. When he lost the battle, he connected to God. When life was hard, he connected to God. When he was alone in the cave with no one to go to, he connected to God. The reason that God came through for David is because David demonstrated to God, I am with you, God, through the bad and through the good. Bring it on, devil. But where are you at with God right now? God is your strength. But you can't just have a one-sided relationship. It takes two. Through the good and the bad. As your pastor, I told God, I will preach through the bad and the good. As a servant, as a man of God, I said, I will serve you through the good and the bad. When my family has been down, when my family has been out, I have seen them step up. That's why I love, I, I have so much more respect for Danny and Frankie now. Because last week, when they got that bad news from River, that was a time that Danny and Frankie said, God, it's bad. It's negative. But Lord, we're with you when you blessed us with a child. We're with you when the doctor said he sick. They connected to God and worshiped. When my mom had cancer, she was with God, serving Him faithfully through the good times, through the blessing. But when this guy came, when the negative came, and the dark times came, she said, Lord, I'll connect with you. See, Christianity is all about connecting to God, but connecting to God in the positive and in the negative. So David connected with God. And God told him, go after your children. Go after your wife. For you will surely recover your family. It won't be easy, David. David, you're going to have to fight. Why? Because remember, these men had no strength left. And David is supposed to get up and say, guys, we messed up. But What I love about this passage is that it shows you the power Of being together with other believers, the power of being together with other men, the power of getting together and saying, We're going to fight together. And I will strengthen you. If you're here this morning, Happy Father's Day. Maybe you're saying, Pastor, I'm drained. Pastor, I need strength. Pastor, I'm losing my family. You might be great in the field. You might be great out there in the world. You might be admired by so many people, but you'll be surprised how many people at home are losing the battle. You're a your single mom losing the battle with your kids. You're a your dad losing the battle at your home in your marriage. You're you just you come to church today and you're saying, I'm drained. God says, Will you connect with me? In the good and in the bad. And let's all stand. I want to invite you for a moment to close here. Every head, oh, every eye closed today. I want you to take a moment for where you're at. But in a moment, I want to invite you to this altar. If you're drained. If you're disconnected from God, you're saying, Lord, I, I'm not even connected at all. You've gone through some positive times and now you're in the negative. Will you connect with God? Maybe you're here and the enemy has your marriage, the enemy has your children. You feel like the devil's won, the battle's lost. I love what God told David. After David search for God, God said, you will recover. And I don't know who I'm speaking to this morning, but you're at a point in your life that you're wondering, Lord, can I recover from this? Lord, is it gonna happen for you? What's gonna happen? Lord, I don't know what to do. But the very first thing I invite you to do before you even think about fixing your marriage, your family, your life, we've gone through weeks of speaking about the home, and before you even think about making this commitment to say, I'm going to be a better mom, I'm going to be a better dad, I'm going to be a better parent, I'm going to be a better Christian, before you do any of that, do what David did. Get back with God. And stop living your life as though you don't know the Lord. And David humbled himself before God and said, Lord, I don't want to make another move without you. So this is you this morning, you're saying, God, I'm drained. God, I'm tired. Lord, I need your strength. I will fight for my child. I will fight for my marriage. I will fight for my home. But Lord, I first need to fight to get back to you. You are the source of my strength and nothing else. If this is you this morning, would you show me your hand? And say, Pastor, this is me today. God bless you all around the room, all around me. And all my dads up here, I pray that you listen and apply to the word that was spoken today. God says what good is it to gain the whole world and forfeit your soul and I want to ask you fathers today in the church what good is it to gain the entire world and forfeit your family and you're doing things that's going to cost you your marriage and you're acting in ways that's going to cost you your children And though you may be admired and successful, and you work hard and you're a provider, I say this with love, you are responsible, but maybe you're not so great. Because greatness is found in the life of a person that makes the rule of presence a daily reality. I will be there, I will be involved, I will be invested, I will make the effort. You can count on me to provide, You can count on me to protect but you can also count on me to prioritize sadly that is not the truth in many men today but thank god we serve a god of many chances and david blew it david failed david realized how bad of a husband and father he was because he failed and the one area God had given him the responsibility for. God told Adam, you are to provide, you are to work, you are to prioritize. And many men are great in doing the first part, but not the second. So if you're here today, you're saying, Pastor, I'm weak and I'm tired, but today I'm connecting to God. I want all of you who raised your hands, and I want all the fathers also, all the fathers to come to this altar. I want all the single moms to come up here as well. Come on, let's make our way to this altar today. Come on, because I know today there are fatherless kids in this church. There are single moms working. There are fathers. And even if you're not a father, but you're saying, God, I'm drained I'm tired. And I need you to be the source of my strength. Come on, church. Come on. With every head bow and every eye closed today. I want you to spend a moment with God today. I want to first pray for those who are drained. Life has you drained. You barely sleep. It feels like the devil is just hiding you lately. And God says, you're going to have to keep fighting, but your strength is going to come from me. And God told David, you're going to recover from this. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus, in no other name, I pray and I lift up all those who are dreams, all those who need strength, to fight this battle that they're in now. Father, I pray that you be the source of strength that they need. Father, forgive us when we find strength in other things. We put our trust in other needs. And we humble ourselves today and we ask you, Lord, as a church and as a body that we will connect with you through the positive and the negative. But Lord, we need your power. We need your strength. Father, I pray for the homes. I pray for the marriages, I pray for the families, that the devil is just fighting right now. Father, before we fix our family, let us fix ourselves with you. Father, I pray for all the children, maybe the children right now that aren't walking with you, that are growing up fast, Father, I would just pray that you somehow put your power upon them. Let them see their need for you like David did. And Father, I pray for Danny and Frankie. And I thank you, Lord, that they connect with you in the positive and the negative. And I know, Frankie, Lord, I know, Frankie when Danny, when they worship now here, they worship in spirit and in truth. Because they could be in the hospital right now, but this is the day the Lord has made. This is your day, and they're here worshiping you. So, Father, I pray that Danny and Frankie, you will recover from this, but you are going to have to fight. And the devil has them right now, but the devil won't have them forever. Father, we lift you up and we thank you for this message. And Father, I pray for all the fathers. Now, all the fathers, lift your hands up to me, all the fathers. Father, I pray for all the dads here, that they not only be responsible, but be great. You have given us responsible men that are great in the battlefield. Let them not be lousy at home. You have given us men that provide and protect, but do not prioritize. Father, I pray that you forgive us and help us to be the men you've called us to be. Father, I pray for Lewis who's about to be a father, and I pray, Father, that you put the fear of God in him to raise this child, Oscar, in the ways of your Lord. May he always prioritize you by first prioritizing you. And in Jesus' name, say it with me. And in Jesus' name, I have the strength to keep fighting. In Jesus' name. Say, devil, we going to fight. Amen. Amen. Come on, give God some praise today. Amen. Come on. Happy Father's Day. Give it up for all our dads one more time. All of our single moms here as well. Everyone here today.